Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, right here next to good friend, Adam Conk. Am I a good person who is a friend or a good friend who is a person? Both. Oh. Yeah. Same to you, buddy. Yeah, man. You, uh, a lot hasn't changed since last week, man. You <laughs> still look the same. You too. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. This has been crazy. Uh, just, um, you know, last year I talked about Duluth, Minnesota, but, uh, Got back from Atlanta, north North Georgia, really, the uh, Dahlonega. Uh, Dahlonega? Yeah, Life Teen had a, a men's retreat conference, and that was great being up there. Yeah. Um, they hosted a camp that they have called Camp Hidden Lake, which is... A hidden lake. Which is really, like, you get to the camp, and you're like, oh... Like, is it invisible? It The lake's, like, drop down into the mountain. And like you just walk up on it, and it's like, whoa, whoa, there it is. Here's a big old lake. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, last Saturday you were busy. Yes. Yeah. So I got back from Atlanta. Um, and uh, shout out to all the guys who were um, on that retreat. Keep going, mm-hmm. keep pursuing God. And I uh, got back and then had a crazy week because uh, we uh, launched a married conference. One married day married conference. Married conference, Gretchen and I. And how did it go? Um, uh, man, it was great. I, it, I, I don't know. I mean, not me. So here's the thing about the day and, uh, and we'll get to it more is that it's less about the content that we share, which is all good content about marriage, uh, and more about, um, the ability for the couples just to have a great day, have awesome time together and discussion and kind of drill down in the content together. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful part of it, you know, is just seeing couples, be intentional about growing wherever they are, you know, and it's interesting, you know, we, we launched this conference and, uh, you know, we have a lot of places that, that want us to do this stuff. But, uh, you know, when I had really the idea for the marriage conference, I was like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Right. And so, uh, I'm excited because the person who really made the marriage conference happen is actually in studio with us. (gasps) Yes. That person. Yeah. Emily Blaisdell. Hey. How are you? I'm so good. All right, so Emily, uh, you know, Emily's been a friend of mine. She works for Doors from Houston, and she's really kind of come on our team the past year mm-hmm. or yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, helping us with a lot of stuff, and uh, even distant, you know, from Houston, and she's come in, you know, to Lafayette. But anyway, when I went to her with this marriage conference idea, I was like, I don't really think we could ever do it, you know. And she just looked at me. He's like, This is totally doable. I, I can, I can help you do this and launch. I was like, How? I don't even know how to make a web page, and I don't even know how to do a sign up sheet. <laughs> like literally, I know how to do nothing, uh, but come up with content. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you just like helped us kind of launch it. We're like, we had no idea where it was going to go, and then boom. Yeah. Here no, I. Yeah, my gifts come more on the behind the scenes, and I love making things happen. I love enabling people um, to serve God the way they feel called to serve, and y'all certainly have the gifts and the content, and um, I can put together some great spreadsheets, and and, yeah, just make it happen. Yeah, and make people feel uh, empowered, and you know, one of the things that gifts that, that you brought to the table for us, for me, and then for Gretchen and I with this conference, because you helped me with a lot of other things, but this particular is like, you guys can do this. Like, you know, like your gifts help empower us to do what we're good at, but what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, obviously your team's as good as the people you have on it. And it, it just really kind of happened and took off. And, um, 
And so, so yeah, but you're really good about not only empowering people, but helping people feel comfortable in their gifts, yeah, their identity, yeah. which we talked about last show. And, um, also just people who sign up are coming like the ability uh, hospitable and, and making it fun and interactive. So the conference isn't boring. Like we're having a good time with this thing. So couples come, you know, Adam and, and, you know, we give giveaways and, you know, it's fun and we have some good video. We, we just try to make it something that people are going to enjoy, mm. you know, you know, and, and get something out of the day. So, I mean, overall, what's, what's been your kind of take on it? Emma? Yeah. Um, well, for me personally, like I, this concept of like coming together, you know, you have your gifts, I have my gifts, you know, um, I'm a huge believer in many parts, one body, um, but also in a sense, empowering and um, sharing that in the different vocations and in particular marriage, which is just such a beautiful opportunity for two people to come together and um, yeah, you, you know, I have their own identity within God, but how do you do that together? Um, and how do you do it when it's hard and how do you do it when, um, it's not fun? Um, so the opportunity to have the open space to talk about that and share and relate and know that, um, other people are going through what you're going through as well. Um, I think it was just such a great opportunity and I really hope that people got what they needed out of the day. Yeah. I remember when I told you the idea for the name, <laughs> I said, uh, I told her, Adam, I said, um, I think the name should be married. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? I was like, think about it. Just people are married. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not come up with some cheesy name. Like, you know, one body together forever, you know, <laughs> like, like and nothing against that, but just people are married. They're in that state of life. And I would say that everyone who gets married wants to stay married. No one gets married thinking I want to have a bad marriage, a difficult marriage, or even end a divorce, or even mediocre marriage. Everyone wants a great marriage. Yeah. And if you're in that state of married, like that's it. So like we're just all married together. That's what we want it to be, a community of people who are married and we just want to have good marriages. And we're all in that. And so then we, we started to come up with what we felt like were the the three pillars for this and the tagline. And we started throwing out all these words. <laughs> And Italy was great because we had a ton of words, but the three that we ended up kind of, you know, nailing down was uh, beautiful, messy, worth it. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole bunch of other words that were good, but yeah. what we came up with the three pillars of what we really believe that married is about is it's beautiful. And first and foremost, we want to speak to the beauty of what marriage is and, and how God designed it and created it. And then that middle one is that it's messy. Like, there's no perfect marriage, mm-hmm. right? No. And it can mess, messy looks so differently. It could look literally messy, like your kids are destroying <laughs> your house. Or it could look like um, my spouse is has cancer and mm. life is just how it is. And we just are surviving, you know? Um, so messy looks different for everyone, but the reality is it's going to be messy at some points. Even the holiest spouses ever in the church, Mary and Joseph had a messy marriage. Like it wasn't easy. It wasn't clear cut. They didn't know what was going on a lot of the time. So, and I think that's what people need to be okay with is that, um, you know, when we, we understand that marriage is beautiful and I think most people kind of lean into that and say, yeah. And then they kind of say, well, our marriage isn't perfect and it's messy. And what we want to say is, yes, yes, that's okay, because there is no perfect marriage. Life is messy. And if life's messy, then your marriage is going to be messy. And in the mess is where Jesus works the greatest work, right? 
uh, in the mess of the wedding feast at Cana. They ran out of wine, right? I mean, a disaster of a wedding, which would never happen in South Louisiana, right? Never. <laughs> we would never run out of alcohol. But Jesus in the mess, in the chaos, comes through. And that's when we own it and say, here's our situation. Here's our circumstance. Here's our mess. Jesus can start to work in the mess, right? And he can do really great things in our mess if we could just admit it, own it. And and that's what we wanted to, to be about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and Emily, I want to ask you about the kind of the design of the day because, I mean, there's so many... We have a lot of conferences. We have a lot of events in the church throughout the country. You know, So when you're approaching something like this and you want to make it accessible to people, you also want to make it effective, but you... You know, so y'all ended up with a certain format. Can you kind of talk, walk me through how that, how you came to format the day? Yeah. So Paul could probably speak into this as well. But for me on my side, I, I want people to walk in and feel immediately at home, feel immediately welcome, feel immediately comfortable. You know, and for me, that that's hospitality. And that means food and coffee constantly throughout the day. You know, that means... Um, that does sound good. Yeah. Like good music. Good music playing, you know, yeah. music that they're used to hearing. Um, that means just great customer service, you know, like mm. um, just, yeah, setting the tone for the day um, is really huge and making sure people know that, like, this isn't just an opportunity to be talked at all day and get good information and go home. Um, this is an environment where you can share, you can be vulnerable, you can... Um, have hard conversations with your spouse, you know? You, Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, so Paul can probably talk more to the content of how we... Uh, yeah, and it. so designing the day, Adam, you know, around um, beautiful, messy, and our last pillar is worth it. That marriage is worth it. It's worth the investment, even when it's difficult, because ultimately our goal is to get each other to heaven. And let's, you know, we can nitpick about so many things in life, but when we zoom out, it, it's so worth it. But the day designs, are, it's a one-day conference because mm. we found is for a, for a lot of married folk, in particular married folks in the busy season of life, right, is getting away for a weekend is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, if they do get away for a weekend, they want a vacation away from work and kids. Uh, but they do want to work on their marriage. And so... There are weekend retreats that we encourage people to go on. They're probably more intensive, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is designed as a day so that it can really reach the majority of married folks who are like, well, we can do a day, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and it's it's not a day where it's football season or hunting season. (laughs) It it, honestly, like it's a day, it's a Saturday, like where, you know, there's not a lot of excuses why we can't go and we can invest in a day and hopefully the day will, catapult us into working on our marriage moving forward because every marriage no matter where it is is it's always work mm-hmm. like it's never like oh let's take time off it's kind of like what you said last show is like you know you don't just take time off from following jesus your vocation is following jesus right and you don't take time off and it's constant work but it's good work it's worth it that's what we talk about it's worth it uh, so here's a question I have for you though: okay. Is what what was your favorite giveaway? Oh man, it's so hard. <laughs> there were a lot of great giveaways. Um, probably my favorite. <laughs> you were originally upset when we got it because yeah. it was unnecessary. 
but we gave I'm away. such a dad. I'm such a dad. <laughs> we gave away two camping chairs. Some oh, really nice. yep. solid, nice camping nice chairs. Nice camping chairs. Um, two, obviously. Two, obviously, yeah. His um, and her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you can go and sit and watch the sunset with your spouse in two Just comfortable camping chairs. Yeah. That's talk. gorgeous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two. Uh, what were they? Uh, unbreakable wine glasses. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the wine bottle that came with it was breakable, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the people who won is that when you really, really can use those share wine with the people who got the yeah. unbreakable wine glasses and the bottle of wine, and they they community can beautiful. Oh, it's and community. while they're drinking wine, sitting in their chairs, they can plant some lilies in their garden. We gave away twenty bulbs of uh, lilies. Yes. Man, all in one day. All in one day. Yeah, so, so if whoever got the camping chairs can thank Emily and Gretchen, because I was like, wait, wh- why are you? And then. <laughs> Those should go to us. <laughs> here's the thing about me, Emily, and Gretchen working on this thing is that uh, it's three of us, so, so anybody can get outvoted. Mm-hmm. And so there were actually a lot of decisions that had to be made where, like, one person was, like, the, uh, what would you say? The, the vote. Naysayer. No, the, the the deal breaker, the oh. um, vote breaker, the vote breaker, breaker. Oh, yeah. tie breaker. That's a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, and usually it was because me. it was two against one. Yeah, Emily, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the great I thing is she doesn't won. pick sides. She just goes with you know what she, she thinks, and then if it lines up with one of us, then it's like boom, there we go. Well, as y'all discern this day, because I really find it fascinating that God just did this. Because I mean, really, from start to finish, how long did this whole process from the idea to last Saturday? I mean, we, yeah, under I, a year. Yeah, it was when I came in. I think it was last August um, when I came in, and mm-hmm. y'all invited me into that discernment and praying, like, because y'all as a couple felt called to serving other couples, but you right. re- weren't really sure how that looked or where exactly. You knew of all the options you could do, but where was God calling? And, yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, praying with y'all, and we both, in a sense, got this word of, like, you know, don't have to do something crazy huge, but serve the people around you. Um and keep it simple within a day. Um, and yeah. And it's yeah. been, incre- I mean, it's been incredible. Um, I think we ended up selling out for the first time mm-hmm. about a little over a month ago. And then we ha- were able to open up more spots by adding more seats. And um, it's amazing how many people are willing to just, you know what? We need this. We're going to get away. We're going to get a babysitter. We're going to cash in that favor with our parents and get them to watch our kids mm-hmm. and, and take time to do this. Yeah. Cause Gretchen and I were, you know, we would go do marriage talks or retreats and, we really said, well, you know, what if we could design the day around the content that we think is super important in a day? Like you can't, you can, you only cover so much, right? You can cover more in a weekend or a week, but in a day. And if we could, if we could uh, just kind of do that and offer it, and um, and so it just kind of took off. And then you know now there's other parishes and dioceses that want to bring married in because they they really see the need to feed their married folks. But they know that they can't get away for a weekend or a week. Mm-hmm. It's like really designed to, to kind of be a, a kickstart for our marriages to get us back on track wherever we are um, to to continue the worth it, you know, to get the vision that it's beautiful, to understand that it's all messy and we're all in this together and that it, that it's worth it, you know. Yeah. So you will travel then? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had some requests mm-hmm. from from all over, so we'll just have to kind of see, you know, w- what we can do. But if you want to find out more about Mary, just go to discovertheartofliving.com dot com and hit the Mary tab. It gives you a little information, and we'll probably, as this thing gets going, we'll probably add more and you know, 
uh, info, but you can kind of get a, a gist on what's what's happening there. So cool. Yeah. So anyway, Emily, um, you know, is on our team, and then what she does is a consultant. And in her work is she kind of serves four or five other organizations, mm -hmm. just empowering them to, to, to do what they do. And so it's been, it's been great. Thanks. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. It's uh, been a journey, you know, it's really um, been a journey in figuring out, you know, yeah, my own identity, what my mm -hmm. gifts are and how is God calling me to use those? And um, I've found, yeah, so much joy and fulfillment in that, um, that always goes, constantly points me back to my base identity, you know, who I am and God. Um, so it's been such a gift to be able to work yeah. with you Yeah, and she's not for hire. <laughs> <laughs> she's got enough on her plate. She's, she's no just one, doing good. No one's and still she's on this cool road trip. So she's coming here, you know, launched the Mary Conference with us, and then, off to Pensacola. Pensacola for a week, yep. And then um, I'll be hanging out outside of Atlanta for a couple weeks. And at some point, hit up Nashville, Annapolis, D.C., Virginia Beach, uh, pit stop in Notre Dame at some point. For, <laughs> for an ordination. ordination. Yeah. Um, and that's the cool thing about your work is you can I, be mobile. Totally, and totally, yeah. Go for it. So yeah. anyway, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having I me. I know you're hitting this the road. Fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. So, all right, we'll be right back talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk, right here, man. Right that was now. nice talking with Emily. Yeah, she's great. It's phenomenal. So I appreciate her, um, you know, taking some time to come on the show uh, before she heads out. But... Uh, yeah, her, her gifts, you know, and, and her heart and who she is. And, um, you know, it's beautiful because in the last show we talked a lot about identity and uh, not, um, you know, if, and if you didn't listen to the show, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. But, you know, a lot about, like, not finding identity and what we do. And, and what I love about, you know, where Emily is is that she has, you know, her gifts or her gifts, and she's just comfortable with those. And, and part of our identity is also being comfortable in what our gifts aren't, right? And not comparing ourselves to the people who have other gifts, but but uh, actually getting to a place in our life where we enjoy the fact that other people have other gifts and we almost become really promoters for other people, for mm -hmm. each other. And that's really what the church should be and is, in, in a sense, is, you know, when it talks in Scripture about, you know, and she had mentioned this, you know, uh, the body but different parts, all working together. I mean, that's really ultimately God's vision for how the church should work and how the gospel should go out into the world, you know? And when we don't live that, we're ineffective preachers of the gospel. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, because we're just a mouth speaking with no hands and no mind or, you know, we're just a mind with no heart, you know, like mm -hmm. it, uh, it, we really need each other and we need, we, you know, we, we need the church. So, so anyway, it was great having her on. And, um, you know, we are one of the things we are passionate about is helping people really have 
um, you know, marriage that, that they desire to have, which is a happy marriage. And the church sets up marriage that way. Uh, and we don't always know, and we don't always know how. And translating that into our actual mess, because everyone's unique and different in their situation, that's the beauty of it. You know, that's where, where we really find when people get traction. So, so that's great, man. Uh, and so, yeah, I had mentioned that, uh, you know, last week I was in Atlanta and, you know, cool thing is I got to see some old friends, you know, we lived in Atlanta in 2001 to 2004 and I went to parish St. Anne's. And so there was a group of guys who were a lot younger back then who are older (laughs) now who were on, on the conference retreat. And so shout out to those guys. Um, and, uh, so, so it was really good, but, um, you know, we were really coming around this, this, you know, Lenten theme and this theme about, um, pursuing God in our lives as men, you know, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we came around this scripture I wanted to bring up and, uh, it's, it's from Jeremiah. Cause I think this is such a, a great seasonal, uh, reading, uh, and, and Lenten, cause I feel like maybe it's just me uh, and Lent, like, I kind of feel like God wants to just deal with me. You ever feel that way? <laughs> God wants to deal with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and let me say that like with me, he wants to deal with me. It's very personal, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, you know, God pursues us. And when he does, like he wants to deal with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And uh, I came upon this scripture and I've been wrestling with it and really kind of started sharing it on this retreat. It says it's in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18. You may be familiar with it or even the imagery It says this. To Jeremiah says, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So so he went down, it says, to the potter's house. And there uh, he was working at his wheel. So the potter's working on, you know, the potter wheel. You know, and if you've ever done pottery, I did it once, you know, at a thing. And I was horrible at it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not something you do. Like beginner's luck doesn't exist. No, no, no. It's apparently a real art. <laughs> to pottery. So the potter's at his wheel. And, and here's what it says in um, 18 verse 4. It says, uh, and, the, and the vessel he was making of clay, uh, it was spoiled in the potter's hands. And yet it says, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to do for the potter to do. All right, so this image of the potter's at the potter's wheel, and he's got this clay, and it's spoiled, and yet he doesn't throw it away. Like, he takes it, and it says, uh, in this particular version of the scripture, it says he reworked it into something good. I mean, and that's why I feel like, you know, like, like when I say God's working on me, it's like sometimes I'm just like a big blot of clay or an old pot that's cracked, and, and yet a lot of times I feel like, you know, we think or people think and come is like they got so disappointed he's just going to throw us out um and then he's just going to work with people who are good uh it says that he he took what he had and it was spoiled he didn't throw it away he actually just reworked it into something because it was good for the potter to do right yeah and i think our culture that fear of missing out is is a reality fomo fomo we have a lot of fomo with the Lord's plans for us, mm-hmm. I think, because we feel like we missed out on what God was going to give us if we were better or if we were paid more attention or if we would have been more faithful or if, 
fill in the blank. Like if we wouldn't have been spoiled, you know, we missed out and now it's over. There's right. nothing we can do. Yeah. Like we're just going to settle into this reality. But in reality, like God, we don't, we never surprise God, you know, with our sins or with our failures or with our whatever. When we become a spoiled piece of clay, God knew exactly that that would happen. Hmm. Like there's never a shock to God, okay? Yeah. And so when he puts us on the table and he starts working with us from infancy or from conception, really, hmm. he knows how it's going to turn out. Yeah. He knows the end. Right. And he's never going to be disappointed in the sense of, now I can do nothing with you. Right. Now you're ruined. Like that's not going to happen. And what, what I love about it is that there's no end to this story because if he's w- re-willing to work with something that's spoiled, he's re-willing to work. No one's too far away or gone right. for the Lord to rework, right? And I think everyone can relate in the fact that uh, if we're clay and potter, like we, we've we've all felt like we've you know molded into something else, or we're cracked, or we need to be reworked. You know, we're we've kind of gotten worn down. I mean, there comes points in our lives where we actually desire for the Lord to take us and make something new out of us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's the point of Lent is that we we can see ourselves that way at least once a year yeah. and spend a season where, you know, what are the main ways I'm cracked in my life? Yeah. Like, and just admit it. Like, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. What do, I, what do other people say about me? Like, mm-hmm. if, 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 and we all have those people in our lives, if these people got up in front of me and could say whatever they want to say about me, what would they say? Now, mm-hmm. some of it might not be true, but some of it is. Mm-hmm. And we can take critiques of others or people we've let down, people we've hurt, people we've disappointed, and we could let all that show us how God can work on us right now. And the thing is, we can have a big conversion all the time. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, this is what I feel like is like, sometimes I'm just this blob of clay on this wheel. I'm like, Lord, what can you do with that? And he's like, Mm. no, I'm God. I I can rework that into anything. And then there becomes an anticipation of, man, I can't wait to see what's new out of this, right? But the difficult thing is that, like, if you've ever made, you know, pottery, it takes time. And, like, if you've ever seen some of these uh, people who do pottery, like, the way they handle the clay, like, I mean, they squeeze it and they, you know, they they (laughs) smash it. it, They literally punch it. Roll it and they punch it. And then they, it comes into something and then it's, like, not good enough. And then they go back at it, right? And that's what it's saying. It's like, it was spoiled. And he reworked it until it got to the point where, uh, it was where it needed to be. And here's, I love the line. It says, uh, uh, as it seemed good for the potter to do. Mm-hmm. Like we have a good father that desires to take what we are and what we have and and mold it into what he desires, right? And what I love about this passage, and I was reading it, is uh, there's a connection with Genesis. Because what does God do in Genesis? Uh, God takes clay. He takes mm-hmm. dirt. Right, that's what my name means, Adam. Yeah. Adam, it means clay. It like means dirt, dirt or man, yeah. man. It was. It's a play on words in the Hebrew. Is that like he formed man out of the earth, right? Uh, yeah. And so some days I act like the man, some days I act like dirt. Right. And uh, but what does God do? He takes dirt and he he molds it. He makes he makes it into something beautiful. He breathes life and you know the the breath. You know. The Holy Spirit, really, the soul mm. breathes into and gives man a soul, right? Mm. Uh, the words translated into ruah, 
that breath. Um, so he takes clay and he makes man. He makes it beautiful. And so there's this connection between the potter and Jeremiah and the, the designer uh, of creation in Genesis, that God doesn't make anything bad, and God can take dirt and make life out of it. I mean, if you and I are human, I mean, not if we're human, we're human, and if we look at dirt, we think not much you can do with that. That can be a person. We, we would never, <laughs> ever think of that. Right, and nor will we look at a rib and say we can make another person. So, like God takes that and makes something amazing, like His creation uh, begins to unfold. Human life comes into existence out of that. And if you obviously know the story, is you know Adam and Eve fall and they sin, and yet you know God doesn't give up on them. God constantly pursues them to rework them and then you get to jeremiah and, and there's this image of of probably the clay it's worn down it's all it didn't come out the way it should and yet god doesn't throw it out just like he didn't throw out adam and eve uh he desired to still be in relationship with them just like he didn't throw out the israelites when they sinned he still provided for them like he desires something good from us and yet he does want us to stop for a while hop on the potter's wheel and let him mold us and reshape us. Yeah, there are seasons where that's that should be our main focus is letting... Now, obviously, year-round, we always need work. We always need improvement. But there are Absolutely. times, like you said, where the Lord wants to us, at least, to give a lot of attention to letting him form us. And it takes a lot of faith, Paul, because, I mean, this is this is the age-old question. Like, if God knew we would sin, if God knew that the clay would become spoiled, like why would he even start? Like why does he allow mm -hmm. evil in the world and all these things? It takes a lot of faith to believe that it's better for us, that God has allowed us to stray from him or to sin or things to happen to us that have mal-shaped us because he's going to bring a greater good out of it. And Adam and Eve are happier in heaven now than if they would have never sinned. Like, God has that power. You mentioned turning dirt into a living being. He has the power to take sin, to take brokenness, to take woundedness, to take bad, evil, right? And bring about good out of it as if it's better than if it never happened. And the thing is, you and I are going to be closer to God forever through Jesus Christ than if we would have never needed a Savior. If Adam and Eve would have never sinned and you and I never sinned, that would have been good. But God has taken the sin of the human race and from it, he's formed and fashioned the human race into his own son. Like he's made us happier forever because we sinned and turned back to him. And we, that takes a lot of faith to believe does. that. Yeah, and, and now we, we really understand the fullness of God's love because of Christ, because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We've never understood how much he loved us. It right. says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And we really could reflect on that. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is where Lent comes to its apex, mm -hmm. right? That uh, as Adam failed, original man, God breathed life to him out of dirt. God forms <laughs> out of clay the perfect man, Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Same clay. The yeah. imagery. And Jesus is the new Adam. Right, he 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 shows us what the total yes 
to God's plan really means. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he undoes the, the sin of Adam by taking on the sin of the world in perfection, dying and rising, right? So there's so much depth and layer to that. To, to really comprehend how much God loves us through Jesus, I think we would spontaneously combust. <laughs> like if we totally, it, it's kind of like saying that the Eucharist uh, is, is the veiled presence of Christ. Like if it was, if it was his, like if it was unveiled, like it would be like Moses on Mount, Mount Sinai. Like we would, we, our faces would burn, right? Because mm-hmm. the glory of God would be so mighty, right? That I don't think we'll fully understand how powerful God's love is until we can actually be around it in heaven. Because if we fully comprehended it, I think we would probably explode. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's why, you know, a lot of saints will say that's why in the Old Testament you would die if you saw God. That was the idea. Like, remember uh, Phineas and, um, who was the other? Fur. Phineas and Ferb. Nope. Uh, it might have just been Phineas, but touched the ark because it was going to fall over and he went to grab it and touch it and he dropped dead. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So this idea of seeing God face to face would mean death. Mm-hmm. And um, St. Teresa of Avila would talk about that. Like, of course it does. Because if you really saw the glory of God, there's no way your nature could contain it. Like mm-hmm. you would you would explode. Right. right. <laughs> so heaven is this experience of that you, you have to be dead to experience is what you said. Like, it's just so amazing. Right. And it's miraculous that God is going to keep us alive and still see him. Um, but anyway, you know, this message today gives me a lot of hope because, I mean, this is the church right now. The church is in this kind of season. We all see that it's a malformed piece of clay. And I get discouraged sometimes because I act surprised. Like, right. how could this have happened? You know, like, how could we get to this point? But Jesus is not surprised. And I just have to tell myself that. Like, the Lord, when he established the church 2,000 years ago, saw this moment in the church history, and he's not shocked. And he's forming. It's a season of reformation, a season of getting back on the table as a church. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and, yeah, I mean, you know, when people ask me, like, what does marriage start with? Uh, I say, well, marriage starts with you, not you and your spouse. It actually starts with you becoming the person God wants you to be. And if you become that, then you bring that into your marriage, and that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let God mold you into the person he wants you to be. That's that's where marriage starts, right? Um, and I think like the renewal in the church starts with, Every individual saying, I want God to deal with me, mold me into the person. Every clergy, every layperson, every bishop, every, every, I'm just saying, like, it's going to take individuals who are being molded by God in God's image and likeness and, and, and for his glory and honor and nothing else and just going uh, at that. And then when, when we all agree to do that, the church is going to change. Like, when we all agree to make that a priority in our life, the church is going to change, and I, and I, and when you see places of renewal in the church, it's because you don't see perfect people, but you see people who are seeking holiness. You see priests and clergy and deacons and religious and lay people who are want and desire to be molded uh, by God more than anything else, and they're not focused on anything else. And when you do that, what you bring to the marriage table of the church, what you bring is is 
your holiness, your pursuit of holiness, and that makes it good. That makes everything good. Nothing, not, nothing, can, you know, n- n- nothing bad can happen from there. In a sense of like, your intentions are to follow Jesus and to and to be His. Yeah, I love that, and it reminds me of again Saint Teresa of Avila. She would she talk about the journey of a soul in that you know, like personal relationship with the Lord where you get to a certain point where your level of all inness and you've been purified of attachments from this life and stuff that there's a certain point where literally, I mean, she says like nothing will take you away from that again because you've the, the temptations of this world are just meaningless to you now because yep. you know how good the Lord is and there's nowhere else you could go. And, um, and I think for, for me at least, and for some of us in the churches, we kind of assume after 2,000 years we should be at that point as, a, as an organization. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting <laughs> you know? is that, uh, you know, when there's scandal in the church, we're just kind of used to it. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, of course. You know, whether it's financial or sexual or whatever, the scandal, you know, is we're like, oh, of course. What we don't think about, though, is that is the non-scandal. Mm-hmm. Think about Mother Teresa. Right. Let, let me just say, I, I don't think we... Do you realize how famous she was? I mean, Nobel Peace Prize, like world renowned. Like you can't, you can't get more famous. She had like a queen's funeral. I mean, the amount do, of I mean, heads do, of states. That okay, were there. so do you understand like the fame that she had, not intentionally, not because mm-hmm. she wanted it, but it it was just because of her work. And when she was asked, "Mother, how do you continue to do what you do? Uh, how do you?" Uh, continue to reach the poor and the orphans. She didn't say, you know what, uh, we have a really good business person, and you know we have a great team, <laughs> and uh, you know we're we're really organized. She said, uh, the the more work that we have, uh, the more we pray, mm-hmm. and so she doubled down on the amount of time that she spent praying and in adoration. That doesn't make any sense in the world's eyes, right? Right. But imagine if she didn't, we could be talking about a scandal. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, like a, a, a someone who who just got swallowed up, uh, but we're not. Why? Because she went all in on following Jesus, mm-hmm. and 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 we're talking about her because she's a saint. So think of all the non-scandals of saints mm-hmm. who did pursue Jesus. And I think so oftentimes we focus on what's going bad or, or the scandal because, but it's a small percentage of people who get tempted by the devil to to, to get to get you know, to fall away, right? Mm-hmm. But the church is alive today, and we have stories of heroes because of the non-scandal, because of the people who avoided it, because they went all in on Jesus. All right, we're going to come back and uh, talk more about that. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back, Paul and Adam here, talking art of living. Art of living. In studio. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love Mother Teresa whenever we bring her up. I just, I just have to have a little bow because you fired me up. But I imagine, especially at the end of her life, like, Mother, how did you stay faithful? I mean, she, in her relationship with the Lord, she added a fourth vow in her religion, and still they take this vow. What is it? So they take poverty, chastity, and obedience. But she added, I will never refuse Jesus anything. Ooh. And to me, that's 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 what we all need to hear and, and emulate. I will never refuse Jesus anything. <laughs> I love like that. as a vow, as in like if I do, it's you're, my eternal salvation is gone. You know? Right, like <laughs> it's like a divorce in your vow. Yeah, right. if you don't do it, man, that's that's like uh, as we say on the show, going hard to the paint. Yeah, you know. I love that. And yeah. and really, honestly, that should be all of our posture is, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. I won't deny mm-hmm. you anything. Uh, and we don't always know what that means. But, um, you know, we do know this, that God, you know, desires to mold us and shape us. And wherever we are, wherever we are, cracked, broken, a blob, need to be remade, remake, whatever. Like, that's the beauty of the Father is that he doesn't throw it away. He takes it if it's spoiled and he remakes it because it's good to do so. And that to me is great consolation. All right. So why don't we do a little six pack? Question of questions. A little six pack. A little, a little, uh, as they say in French, demi tasse. (laughs) Do you know what that means? I guess a little something. Demi tasse means a half cup. Oh, okay. Like a like a little cup. Nice. Yeah, instead of a whole cup of coffee, a demi tasse. A demi tasse. A half cup. A pleasant idea. Yeah. <laughs> you learned something today. I did learn something. I learned lots. Um, all right. So question number one, talking about being molded. Um, how would you suggest someone kind of examine themselves, finding you know, church talks about a, the idea of a dominant fault. Like, what's that main issue you have that you should be working on? How do you suggest someone get on, you know, an introspective, uh, reflective kick and like find that dominant fault or like what that thing is they need to work on? Hmm. Yeah, I've heard that before, and uh, you know, I get depressed when I think about that <laughs> because I'm thinking dominant fault. Like, and here's the thing: I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's we probably should find a little bit of humor in our humanness, mm-hmm. in our imperfection. Like, honestly, is it, we could take ourselves, we could be so hard on ourselves. And if that's true, a dominant fault, it means that there's kind of something that will never go away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like St. Paul talks about the thorn in his side. It, and, it's, and in some sense, it could sound a little depressing. Mm-hmm. But in another sense, if if we're really aware, what it does is that it helps us to rely on Jesus and not ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So it's less about the imperfection and more about the getting rid of self-reliance, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, you know, so our what we do with our dominant fault is, or our faults that we feel like, oh, man, these never go away, um, is that uh, we try to be self-reliant in solving them instead of just surrendering to Jesus and say, you know, take this and mold it. And I do think that uh, those things that we struggle with or that are personality flaws or imperfections, I'm not talking about like 
you know, major sin patterns that we really got to get rid of. I'm talking about, you know, these, these faults, like I'm just, maybe I'm just a, you know, this type of, I do think that over time, like the more that we surrender to Jesus and become reliant on him instead of self-reliant, we can get better. We can change those dominant faults can become, I I guess you could say like less of a hindrance Mm -hmm. for us, you know? Yeah. Cool. Love it. So, all right, we're going to go back and forth. Okay. Okay. We talked about God molding us, right? And I think, you know, one of the things that we don't want to do is, like, focus on, what you know, other people mm-hmm. or the church. How would you suggest, like, um, you know, like, this imagery of the potter, um, how would you suggest, like, you know, someone taking that image and kind of saying, how does it apply to me? How does it apply to me? Well, I think one way is through the church. One of the reasons the Lord established a church is that we know who we are by living in community, right? Like Adam discovers who he is when he sees Eve, these kinds of things. Mm. Bone and of my bone. Bone of my bone. One of the problems of we do with all community, including the church, is that we tend to create an echo chamber for ourselves and call that community where... I will be with those people who love everything about me and never bring up anything, you know, any flaw I have or any problem I have. I love those people that see things the way I see them, you know? Yeah. But this is this is a community that won't necessarily grow. Now, it's good to have friends that we're like-minded with, you know? But if we never hear things like, well, you know Adam, or you know Paul, or you know whomever... Um, that might be because you tend to do this. Hmm. If we get really angry at that person for saying that, then we are not open to that potter. Because the thing is, the Lord will use the church and use our friends mm-hmm. to Community. let us know things we need to know about ourselves. Now, is that even if I get frustrated, what do I do with it? All right, take that emotional hit. Oof, that hurts. You just gave me something about myself that's not not too pleasant. Sit with it for a bit. Don't say anything until the emotions have passed, that first wave. And usually, they're dead on or at least close to something that's true. If it's someone who loves you, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would say, uh, if that's not your normal experience, if those kind of thoughts are from other people and these kinds of things, add that because the Lord wants to shape us and He's going to use the church to do it. And that's a different way to experience church. And a lot of people... Maybe shy away from it. But anyway, I would suggest that. Yeah, no, I mean, I've experienced a lot of being remade through the the potter wheel of marriage mm-hmm. in community. So Yeah. All right, well, question number three. Here we go. So what's the difference between <laughs> what's the difference between taking this kind of idea seriously? In other words, like, you know, having a healthy awareness of my faults and letting the Lord work on me and, and build me up these kind of things. And being kind of over-scrupulous and negative about myself. Because it's not a good idea to think that I'm a bad person, right? Like, like that's not what the no. Lord wants, and it's not a healthy self-image. So what's kind of that line, and how do you how do you avoid too much of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've gone through seasons of my life. It's like, I just want to be, you know, perfect and no flaws. And, <laughs> like, we're all going to have chinks in our armor, and if we focus on, like, the little cracks... We're just going to constantly live in desolation. This is not this is not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is that God can, can take where we're broken and remake us into something new, and we're going to get chipped again. 
But we are going to get chipped again. Like it's, we're going to fade again. Like we're going to have to be remade again. And so we have to really get over that. We, we have to say, you know, this, the whole point of this is not, um, you know, to be, uh, perfect, uh, because we're human, right? This is why we have reconciliation, the sacraments. Um, you know, so if, even if you read like, you know, where it says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If you read the other version of that in the other gospel, it says, be merciful mm. as your heavenly father is merciful. Right. So to be like God is to be merciful. Right. So you got to kind of watch where you get overly scrupulous. And then I would say this is uh, just what potter wheel, what platform right now does God want to place you on to mold you? Right. Could be a platform like like I use the image of marriage. Marriage is a great platform for God to remake me, teach me something new, challenge me to be better community, marriage, the church, work, you know, friendship, you know, uh, what platforms God just want to place you on and, and start reshaping you. But, I like it. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, I think in question number four, Adam, is that, uh, vocation with a capital V is not just something that we, you know, we have nothing else to do. So let's just do something with our life. Vocation with a capital V is meant for us to, um, you know, it's the place where we're called to, to grow in holiness, really, the most. Okay, how can, um, what are some suggestions or how can we uh, use that platform of the potter wheel of our vocation to grow in holiness? Well, the thing about us as human beings is that we constantly want to jump off the table and say we're done like we're done being molded yeah that hurts <laughs> like constantly yeah <laughs> and we forget easily like anything we kind of think that we're you know focused and we whatever but the reality is we're kind of like a piece of duct tape we'll stick to anything like whatever's in front of us you know whatever and so i would say number one is we have to realize our attention our attentiveness is weak and limited we don't stay focused on the most important things by default. That is not our default disposition, okay? Even the strongest among us with the most self-discipline and whatever. And so in our vocation, we have to set in our vocation things that will remind us what the most important thing is that we're doing at the moment. So, for example, in your marriage, it's not just a good idea to pray together because that nurtures your relationship and you get this great connection. That's all true. But the reality is you should have times that you pray together to remind yourselves why you're together. Mm. Without that, you forget. Yeah. And it's nothing wrong, okay, but that's just how we are. Yeah, like we're, we're human. We're made to forget. God made us human, right? <laughs> like we're going to forget. So I would say um, to let your vocation form you means that you have placed certain things in your vocation to remind you of what's most important so you could do the most important thing, and that forms you over time. If you haven't set those things up, which include prayer time, I would say, which would include meals together, um, which would include... It, it's those points accountability. in the day. Accountability. Those points in the day where you touch base with the most important thing of why you're married, why you're family, um, then you won't be formed over time. But those things are formative. Like yep. when, when you're just living your marriage as you should, 
it forms you. And vocation is meant to form us to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when we enter in fully into our vocation of holiness, we become more like him. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. All right, question number five. So you mentioned uh, having humor a little while ago with, like, our faults and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reminded of a lot of saints that did this, that, mm -hmm. like, laughed. So talk to me about the importance of kind of joyfully being on the on the, uh, on the the molding table, like having fun with your own faults and shortcomings. Like, what does that look like? I think the, one of the hardest things, at least for me, that I've had to learn, and I'm still working on it, is learning to laugh at my imperfections. Because mm -hmm. I am one of those people who probably are a little bit too hard on myself or ha have a difficult time laughing when I screw up or mess up and, you know, trip and fall, you know. But I do find that when I do 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 that is that there's a lot of freedom and joy and just saying, you know, like that was funny or like, you know, I'm not as perfect as I thought it was or good. <laughs> and at, I find a lot of consolation of being around people who laugh at themselves, who don't take themselves too seriously. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the invitation is as we're being molded, you know, sometimes like. God like looks at it and is like, yeah, that kind of doesn't look like what it's supposed to. And I don't know if you've ever drawn something or made something. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that kind of like, looks funny. Like in your mind, it's going to be this Mona Lisa. And like you ever up. play that game and your kids, you look into the clouds and you're like, what do you think that cloud looks like? And everyone mm -hmm. says something different. Yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of like us sometimes, you know? Yeah. All right. Question number six. If you could be molded by clay, like into something, anything, like any object, you have to pick an object. What would it be? Molded into any object. <clears throat> a beer can? No, 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 no. I would say probably a statue of <laughs> an animal. Which one? I would pick a cheetah. A cheetah? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> Here's why. Great. Okay, I cannot <laughs> wait for this. Because I would appreciate the challenge of capturing cheetahness in a statue because it's known cheetahness. for being a very fast animal. Mm. So that artist would have to somehow capture being fast with being very still. And have spots. And a statue and have spots. But I think statues are cool. Uh, Do you, like, desire to run fast, though? Like, if you could run fast. Honestly, no. no. Not at all. Mm. Do you? At one point in my life, maybe. Really? Yeah. I mean, the cheetah, I mean, you obviously appreciate it because of its look, but it, it's... It's, oh, it's fast. It's a pretty fast animal. It's pretty amazing to see. But mm. I would I would love somebody making me into a statue of a cheetah. Hmm. I would love that. Do you want to go question number seven? Let's go 6.5. Okay. What would you do? If I can be molded into something by clay? Yeah. Um, I would say, and the, the clay could be active or it's stable. I don't know. <laughs> like moving clay? Mm -hmm. Like it's alive? Yeah. I'd probably be like a like a, clay? a fighter jet made out of clay. Oh, I see. But invisible. And, An invisible fighter and jet? And like I could just get places, <laughs> but I could see this. I, I met a guy when I went to do a talk. He he um, flew um, stealth bombers. Stealth bombers. That sounds stressful. And But you can't see them. Because he's stealthy. And they're so high in the elevation. But he said, uh, he goes, literally, he goes, I can, uh, I can from whatever, 50,000 feet up, uh, drop a bomb directly on your house, like that small of a, a moment. And I don't want to do that. But what I'm saying is like the ability <laughs> to be stealth and fly places and see places and be clay. Well, maybe you could drop blessings on people. 
Every blessing you could be a stealth blesser. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. From fifty thousand feet up, I could drop all of God's graces on your house. Ha! Here you go, glory, <laughs> falling down at you. Anyway, great show, man. Thanks to Emily for coming on and uh, lots of good discussions. Uh, go to discovertheartofliving.com. Um, you see the podcast there. You can share it. And, of course, click on the um, support uh, donate tab. Help uh, support the show to keep going um, and all the resources. And can you ask about a marriage conference in your area at the website? Is yeah, that- you click on there, and there, there's a form to uh, request it coming out, and we'll put you on the list. And- That's cool. Or you can find the next conference that we'll be at, and you can come. Uh, hopefully, we'll be in your area. And uh, for all those married folk out there, uh, you know, keep being beautiful, keep being messy, and keep making it worth it. So, Paul and Adam, Art of Living, be back next week. Come on.